0: following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making him known but there's this theme going on in the bible and you've probably seen it I know I've seen it where god interacts with people and he loves people and people are blessed but if people don't see god's hand regularly in their life daily And they don't see God showing up and maybe answering all their prayers. Pretty soon, there's a drift that starts to happen. And we see it throughout scripture. In fact, uh, the Israelites in the desert, when God did great things and delivered them from Egypt and parted the seas, they're like, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. But it didn't take long before people were complaining and saying, where's God and what has he done for us lately? God brings him water for a rock. God, you're awesome. We love you. But in a little while, they're complaining. All we eat is this bread. We don't even get any legit food out here in the desert. And God brings them quail, essentially, and they're eating, you know, now they're eating duck, you know, gourmet dish out there in the desert, and that's cool for a little while. And then they're complaining again. We don't have spices like we did in Egypt. And it seems to be this tension of pushing and pulling with God, where, God, we love you when you're meeting our expectations, but when you're not, we have a serious issue. And there seems to be this tension going on in Scripture. It can happen in our lives as well. When God seems so present in our life where God is doing something or answering a prayer or breaking through in a way that you go, wow, that's clearly God, you're like, this is great, God, you're amazing. But if you're going through a season where you don't really sense his presence, you don't really sense him answering your prayers or meeting these expectations that you have, you, you think they're legitimate expectations, and, and you don't feel that like God's doing it, then there can start to become a disconnect, where inside you're wondering, where are you, God? How come you're not meeting these expectations? They seem reasonable, but for some reason, God, I don't see your hand in this, and it's going on and going on, and maybe some things seem like they're beyond God's help. But in our lives, we can do this. And you know people, and I know people who have gone through seasons where they were expecting, because of their expectations, they were expecting God to show up and do something. And because God didn't do what they thought God should have done, they've moved along somewhere. Does anybody know anybody like that? Where at one time they were doing good, they were running the race, but for some reason in this relational thing with God, this tension between our love for God and his revelation to us and him blessing us, but sometimes not meeting our expectations. Some people have come to a great divide. They've come to a great divide over this. And their second half could have been so much better than what it is right now. The second half of their life could have been explosive. But because of this tension about God and our expectations, They somehow along the way made some sort of conclusion and they made some kind of judgment really a judgment about God that if you bless me and show yourself to me I will follow you and if I don't see you or you don't answer what I'm asking you to do I will not. Now they might not say that but that's what happens Israel did it all the way through, pushing and pulling. Through the history of the kings and and, and the judges, we see this whole tension where you see God's hand, rah, rah, you're awesome, God. And then you don't see his hand, well, where is he? I guess he left us maybe. And people start pursuing other things. We know people have done this. Maybe we've done that in our own life where we went through a season, didn't see God's hand and really had a question, is God for me or not? Because it doesn't really feel like it right now. In fact, he's not answering my prayer right now and I don't really see him showing up in any kind of area that I'm asking him for and we don't know what to do with that. We have a hard time processing that but the way we process that has a completely different determination on what our second half looks like. There are some who couldn't process that or they processed it the wrong way and as a result of it, they don't really have a second half and there are others that say, God, (laughs) God, You are God no matter what. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I can't figure this out. And I am baffled, God. But you're still God. And I am not. And because you're God, no matter what, I am going to follow you. You're still on the throne. You're the all-knowing one. You're the all-powerful one. You're the omnipresent one. I'm not. I don't get it. But you're still God, and I'm going to follow you. You know, in the story of Job's life, is this amazing snapshot. Great example. In Job's life, Job loves God. He's got some friends in his life. Sounds like they love God. They seem to know a lot about God, or they think they do. And they, they go to meet Job, and Job is going through it. I mean, you look at Job. You look at Job's life, and there is zero indication of God's blessing in his life. There is zero indication of God's presence in his life. You look at the guy and he's a mess. I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And his friends show up and his friends are like, hey, Job, admit it. You and God, you're on completely different pages. I don't know what you did to God, but God doesn't like you. It's evident he doesn't look at your life your family, your stuff, your body, your condition, everything. There's no hope for you. And his friend starts speaking this judgment into his life. And the judgment is this. If we saw God present in your life blessing you, we would agree God is with you. But since we don't see our view of God's blessing in your life, and since God is allowing this thing to go on and on and get worse and worse, obviously God's not in your life. That's his conclusion of his friends, the God squad. These guys hanging out with Job, the God squad. Beware of friends like this that have God figured out and give counsel like this because they couldn't have been more wrong. In fact, it was probably some of the most misdirected counsel in the Bible, so misdirected that at that point in the story, boom, God shows up and says, I can't even listen to this anymore. I can't even listen to this. These guys are mischaracterizing God and God is saying, I will not be mischaracterized like that. That's not who I am. In fact, he tells Job's friends, you guys are so out of line, you better have Job pray for you right now. Because if Job doesn't pray for you right now, stuff is gonna be going on. And God turns it all around in the story. But you know what Job says in the middle of this? Before God even shows up, his world is going terribly his life is terrible. There is nothing to celebrate in his life. His health, his possessions, his family, roofs caving in, everything's going wrong. And you know what he says? He's got a lot of unmet expectations right now. <laughs> a lot of them in every category. And how you process these expectations has a radical determination on your future. Completely different direction, your future. The way we process Unmet expectations. You know what Job says to his friends? Hey, if God wants to slay me right now, if God wants to kill me right now, I'm still gonna trust him. His friends are like, what? Yeah, I know, this, this looks pretty lame. Everything looks lame. Everything is terrible. I could, it couldn't be any worse. But he's still God. He's still on the throne. He's still the king of the universe. I don't get it. This side of heaven, maybe I never will. But if he wants to kill me, I'm gonna still trust him. That's when God shows up in the scene. And guess what? He did have a completely different second half. God came back and restored and multiplied things in his life. And I would suggest how we process the tension of an unmet expectation with God, whether we, as some people do, judge God, critique God. Where was God? And if God was good, then why did he allow this? And go down a whole list of things Really judging God. And when we judge God, this is what happens positionally. God is here and we're down here. He's all knowing and we're not. He's always present. He's all powerful. We're not. But when we have a, an unmet expectation and we are so convinced of what God should have done, should have done, but he didn't do, we actually put ourselves above God in critique and in judgment. How Could he be God if he did this, and therefore I don't follow? Do you see what we're doing? I mean, that is crazy to critique and judge God. That's what Job's friends did. Job said, I wouldn't dare do that. (laughs) He's God, and I'm not. And if he wants to kill me, I'm going to still trust him. That is radical faith. The way you and I process things when we don't understand them is going to completely determine the way the second half of our life is. I really believe that. And there are plenty of things that come up in our life that we just can't figure out, that we can't crack the code, we can't figure it out, we don't really understand what God's doing. The apostles had those situations. Many of people, even in the New Testament, this theme carries over of this tension between, I was expecting one thing, but something else happened. Many of you guys know the story of the rich young ruler rich young ruler comes to Jesus he's pretty together I mean guy's got it going on he's wealthy and you know he comes to Jesus he sounds sounds pretty sharp he's very positive he sounds like he's living a good life and he comes to Jesus oh great teacher so great to see you wonderful teacher you're the master and tell me what does it take for me to enter the kingdom of heaven because uh, I already live a good life I follow all the commands I'm living right God so we're good right Jesus looks at him, Jesus looks through him, realizes, wow, this guy loves his stuff way too much, way too much. He goes, you know what, for you, you got to go get rid of your stuff first and follow me. God's like, no way, no way. And the guy puts his head down and he walks away sad. He had this expectation of God and his kingdom And God did not meet his expectation. This guy didn't have a second half, at least nothing we ever read about. I mean, he could have went on to be someone great in the kingdom of God. He could have been one of the ones in the book of Acts in the upper room that was changing the world around, but that wasn't him. We don't hear of his story. Why? Because there's always a tension between your unmet expectation and mine and how we reconcile them with God. Are we going to stop? Are we going to pause? Are we going to walk away disappointed like the rich, daring ruler? Are we going to be like, Job, no matter what, God, I don't get it. This side of heaven, I don't understand it. But you're still God and I'm not. And I'm going to move on in faith because that is going to completely change our second half. I think that's really, really important. Um, some people, if you're a note taker this morning, uh, a couple of things to write down on this, on this topic um, Some people along the way, and we see it all throughout Scripture with God in general, and we see this with with the ministry of Jesus, and we see it in Nazareth when they're saying, Jesus, if you can do all these signs and wonders that people say, prove up. Show us. We're waiting. And Jesus is like, no, no. For you guys, you don't have faith. You got no faith. You guys just want proof. Proof, proof, proof. And people that want proof, God's like, I could show you proof, and you're still not going to have faith because you don't have faith to begin with and why would I help you increase your faith when you have none to begin with and they're like prove it Jesus come on we heard it show us what you got Jesus (laughs) it doesn't work that way and Jesus walked away said he didn't do miracles there didn't prove what they wanted I think our first point if you're a note taker this morning to get a better understanding on this topic is that people say prove it and then I'll believe but Jesus says Believe, and then I'll prove it. The people waiting for proof, Job's friends, they didn't see the proof they wanted. The rich young ruler thought he was going to get something else. Sometimes they never end up in the faith and never end up thriving for the glory of God. But the ones who say, God, I don't get it, and I don't need the proof right now, I'm going to believe you at your word. I'm going to believe you at your word. I'm going to believe you at your your promises. And on that alone, I'm going to stand, even though I don't get it. This side of heaven, maybe I can't crack the code on this thing, but you're still God and I'm still not. And I never will be and you always will be. So I'm going to have faith. And then when you do that, God shows his hand on the other side. There's the beauty of God. He shows his hand. When we walk in faith, he always rewards. The whole journey is by faith. It's started by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God The journey begins by faith through grace. It's grace through faith. And the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. As scripture says, faith never goes away. And there's invisible moments in this faith journey where you don't know. In fact, the road looks maybe devastated. What do you do? Some people see an unmet expectation and a critique of God and a conclusion and they don't have a second half and you don't see the rest of their story in scripture. But there are others like Job. Hey, no matter what, I'm gonna trust you, God, because you are God. And those are the ones who God continues to use and show things through, through scripture. The rich young ruler, he walked away. He was never heard from again. And I believe we have that uh, same uh, opportunity in our life all the time when things come up. How many of you guys know in Corinthians it says, now we know in part and we see in part. But someday, talking about when we see Jesus face to face, then we're going to know fully, fully, just as we are fully known. Like right now, we don't see that clear. We try to. We get a glimpse. We, we kind of understand God's will. We have his word, that's for sure. And we have a spirit. So we, we navigate life the best we can with the resources God has given us. But there are some things we're still not the all-knowing one and we still don't know everything. Now we know in part and we see in part, but then we are gonna fully know just as we are fully known. So someday you're gonna get the full snapshot, the picture, the revelation, and you'll go, duh, I get it now. Or if we're not careful, we too can be like Job's friends. Start figuring this thing out. Start figuring out just why God is and is not doing things and because of that, this, and because of that, this, and because of that, this, and we've already worked out a whole solution, a conclusion. And in so doing, we can start to mischaracterize God. And God's not, God's, God's not good with that. Um, John 12, if you guys can open up there. We're, we're looking today. This is Palm Sunday. This is the week going into what we call Passion Week. Uh, but I want to call the message when God doesn't meet my expectations. What about that? What about when God doesn't meet my expectations? We have expectations, whether they're perceived or uh, things we've thought through or things we just sense ought to be legitimate. Um, we all have different expectations in life. And, and what about when God doesn't meet your expectations or mine? What about that? Because this passage today is all about that. It's all about King Jesus coming into Jerusalem as the king. But people have expectations They got expectations of God and God ought to be doing this stuff right about now. Right about now is time for God to do that. And they got expectations of this king, this Messiah. He's going to do this the way we figure he's supposed to do it. And if he does, bravo, you're awesome, God. And if he doesn't, well, forget it. And there's this Crowd, there's cheering going on. There's a celebration going on. But what happens when the cheering stops? This is where we're going to see the story begin to take a little bit of a turn. A moment in the history of Israel that so much was hinging, hinging, uh, hinging excuse me, on their expectations of God, their expectations of Jesus Messiah, and we all have expectations. But how we process those expectations can have a dramatic effect on our second half and the direction of our future. Uh, John 12, verse 12. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come from the excuse me, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. So here's the setup on the scene. First century Israel. Jerusalem coming down the Mount of Olives, going into the temple area through the Eastern Gate, which was prophesied that the Messiah would come through. But right now, the condition is that they're under Roman occupation. They're not free in their own land. Rome governs the land. Rome allows them to go to the temple, but Rome also allows temple leaders to be in place so that they can work together in their governing of the people. So Israel is under Roman occupation and there are thousands of people right now going to the temple this week for Passover weekend, Passover celebration. But what Passover celebration is about, it's about some 1,500 years earlier when they were under Egyptian, uh, you know, under the hand of Egypt, they were being suppressed by the, and oppressed by the Egyptians, and finally God delivered them on the night of Passover was their final night of oppression. And after that, they were able to leave and go to the land of Canaan, the promised land. So to them, Passover is a big deal. Passover is when God removed the oppressors from us and gave us a future and a freedom. And so they're pretty stoked about Passover. And now here they are in Jerusalem under Roman occupation. And guess what? It's Passover. Hey, this could be the time. This ought to be the time. This is a perfect setup for a perfect storm. In fact, we heard that Jesus is coming. His very name, Jesus, means salvation, the one who saves us from stuff. And they're like, this is gonna be great. We've been waiting for a Messiah. We've been waiting for a king. We haven't had one since King David. Finally, God is sending one. We think he might be the king. Some have told us about him. Some have actually seen what he's done. Others have heard about what he's done. In fact, part of the crowd just came from uh, Bethany and Bethpage, excuse me, where Lazarus lived, where he raised Lazarus from the dead. So there are some people that saw with their own eyes what Jesus has done. Others didn't see, but they heard. Others are just wondering. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's Passover. It would be a great time for deliverance. And everyone is saying that the Messiah King is here and he's coming to town. This is gonna be great. So you have this entire mixed crowd and they have a very high expectation right now. They have an enormous expectation because if this is Messiah, King, the way people are saying, then we know exactly what's gonna happen next. This is our time. This is our day. We've been waiting a long time for this. And as Jesus is coming down, they are shouting out, Hosanna, son of David, you are the blessed king of Israel. We acknowledge you're the long-awaited Messiah. We've been waiting for this Jesus. Handle your business. Do what you got to do. Save us. Get rid of occupation. We can't live this way any longer. And they have one focus. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is the king. He is the king of Israel. In fact... When Jesus was born, the wise men came and their question was, where is the one who was born, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel? We're looking for the king. From his birth, he was the king. And and when they found him and went to the house that he was at, they bowed and worshipped him as the king. Later on in the ministry, Jesus is before Pilate and says, is it true, are you the king of the Jews? He said, yes, (laughs) it is exactly as you say, I am the king the king of the Jews. And when Jesus was crucified, they put on his cross, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of, he was the king of the Jews. But I guess their expectation of who a king is and what a king does was completely different. And the reason is they were more focused on the kingdom of Israel than they were the kingdom of God. And I think in our lives, if we have a heavy focus on an area, if we look at the way it ought to be based on what God should do in my life and and what God ought to do around me. Instead of, God, what do you want to do in your kingdom? Then we too might be set up for a little setback when we have the wrong view of what God does. Israel had this mindset right here. Jesus came in as the king, but he was the prince of peace. He did not come into war. If he came to war, he'd be riding a horse, an animal of war, but he came as the prince of peace, he came in on a donkey, which is a humble animal. It's an animal of peace. And as he rides in, he, he, he comes in in this peaceful way with no intent to turn Rome upside down. How many of you know that he came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion? You know that? He came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. Now, all four gospels, when you put them together, it completes this picture a little more of what went, uh, happened after this. And it speaks a lot about the expectation of Israel and maybe the unmet expectation of Israel. And it says, when you look at the Gospels, in fact, Luke chapter 19, it says that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, they're yelling out, king of Israel, you're the king, Hosanna, save us. Pharisees like, quiet them down. Don't let them say that about you. And Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones are gonna cry out. In other words, this is a day prophesied in scripture that hell cannot stop no man can stop the devil cannot stop god said it it's gonna happen hell can't stop it and the stones would cry out if people don't cry out because israel's messiah has come and he is in fact the king there is no stopping king jesus when he's in his momentum even though he wasn't on a horse of war he was on a donkey there is no stopping king jesus they can't stop a holy moment And Matthew 21 says that the whole city was stirred. So all the people are like, what's going on? I mean, this is the king, he's coming in. Everyone's in a buzz. It says the whole city was stirred. Everyone was saying, who is this? So some didn't see things he's done before. They just heard about Jesus. He's coming in. Everyone's waving. They're like, whoa, things are different this year at Passover. What's going on? Who is this? And people responded, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. But instead of cleansing Jerusalem from the Romans in the land, what he did do is he went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. And that was not the expectation of the people. In fact, that wasn't the expectation of anybody. I don't even think the apostles were clocking this. The disciples were even following him. They kept saying, is, it, is now the time you're gonna establish your kingdom? Like, I mean, literally set it up, overthrow Rome. He's like, it's not for you to know the times and the days, the way this is gonna go down like this. But he kept on saying, I have to be, I'm gonna be turned over and I'm gonna be giving up my life. And they're like, what? So they didn't really understand the way this went. And they also, I believe, had some unmet expectations on their view of the kingdom, how it was gonna work, how it should work, how it shouldn't work. But Jesus goes up and instead of cleansing the Romans from the land, he cleanses the temple And the crowd's expectations completely changed. And the cheering stopped. And we don't hear any more cheering in the story for King Jesus. And the reason we don't hear any cheering is because when there's an unmet expectation in your life, the way you process it determines the second half. And these guys said it should have gone down this way, but it didn't, so therefore... Probably had the wrong guy. At least many said that. Their kingdom, their focus was on the kingdom of Israel instead of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't come to conquer Rome, he came to conquer sin. He didn't come to be crowned, he came to be crucified. But nobody was clocking that. And so they had a lot of unmet expectations. They had a God given opportunity, but they didn't see it. But here's the thing not only were they disappointed, Jesus was disappointed. Jesus was disappointed. It, it, it says when we when we look at the text, um, is it um, Jesus goes on in Matthew's gospel? Excuse me, Luke's gospel, Luke nineteen forty four, and it says that Jesus went up on the mountain, the Mount of Olives, and he looked down over Jerusalem and he, and he cried. I mean, Jesus loves people. He's laying his life down. He's coming in and authenticating his words by his miracles. And he, he comes in and they shout, "Hosiah, king, king of Israel, Hosanna, one minute. And they're shouting, crucify him the next minute. And he's only given his life away as a ransom for many. And he he sits and he cries over the city. This is a place in Israel where I've been a few times and it's up on the... um you know, the Mount of Olives coming down, this area where Jesus would have prayed and wept. And you sit there and you look at Jerusalem and you see the history of God with Israel, the history of God sending prophets and the ongoing theme throughout scripture of when people see God do something great, bravo, and when they don't, walking away. And you see the entire history of Israel doing this. And we do it as well, church. When we see God move, we're like rah, rah, and when we don't, we're like, I don't know what's going on right now. So we're not exempt from this from this reality, this tension, but Jesus is up there and he weeps over the city and he goes, Israel, Israel, how many times have I tried to gather you like a, like a hen gathers its chicks? Now you think of a mother hen, hen loves its baby chicks, it won't let anything happen to them. And I've tried to gather you so many times, but you've, you've stoned and killed the prophets, and Jesus basically adds to that because of it, this temple that is your focus, instead of God, it's the temple, it's, it's getting destroyed. It had been around for a long time, but it didn't last another 30, 35 years. It was destroyed after this. To this day, Israel hasn't had a temple. It's like, I got a better second half for you. It begins with me, Messiah. And based on expectations, people accepted or rejected, it, and it completely determined the difference of their second half. The question for us is, will we stay committed when things don't go the way we expect them? Because family, we can do the same thing. We have expectations of God. We have things that seem reasonable, that God ought to do this. God should do this. I've been asking, why didn't he do it? Why did it take this long? And now it's too late, maybe. We've got a lot of um, gray matter up here, figuring things out, trying to clock what God should do, shouldn't do, we, our expectations of God, our plans, our, our hopes, our dreams, maybe others, family members, people around us that we love and care for. God, why didn't you do this stuff? What's going on? Be careful what we do with that because what we do with that can have a completely different determination on our second half, how we process that. Remember Job. Job could have processed, Job's situation was a thousand times worse than anything you'll ever go through or you can imagine. And he was in the perfect position to go, you're right guys, God left me. He did, he left me. Look at my life, of course he doesn't love me. He must have done something, I must have done something to make him mad. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. You realize that? There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. God's love is, he's abounding in love. And we can't earn his love. And God is for you. Do you know God is for you? I mean, do you know God is for you? I hope you know God is for you. God is for you, family. And if you don't know he's for for you, you need to know that. God is for you. So when we don't understand this stuff going on, you gotta know he's for you. Job's like, I don't get it. If he wants to take me now, he can but I know he's for me. I don't have to get it. Here I am, God, whatever you want. God's like, wow, you just went through the fire, Job. And you've got some rockin' faith. And because you do, I'm gonna do things on the second half of your life. I'm gonna turn things all upside down. There are so many people that get to that crisis point, that tension point, and they don't know what to do with it, and they critique carefully, they critique God and in so doing, judge God. They judge his character or his nature. They make a conclusion about God and, like the rich young ruler, have a completely different second half and maybe don't hear from them again. Does that make sense? Israel was at this tipping point. Messiah is here. Does he need to do what I expect him to do? I've got expectations of Messiah. I got a whole list of them here. And he needs to come, he needs to throw out Rome. He needs to turn this around. We'll have a king back on the throne in Jerusalem again, just like it was in David, because I got it figured out the way it ought to go down. It looks like this. And now it's not looking like that. And now we're all a bunch of disappointed people. And we've got a conclusion now about Messiah. That's simply wrong. So people say, prove it, and then I'll believe. But Jesus says, believe and then I'll prove it. Uh, the second point this morning too, if you're a note taker, is that remain in faith and then God will exceed your expectations. Remain in faith and he will exceed your expectations. If you don't remain in faith, people pull over and they, they you know, come to these disappointments and those disappointments begin to shape their future. And they miss out on what the future can be. But when I see scripture, I see the people who came by faith and continue by faith and know that God is for them no matter what. And that if God is for them, who can be against them? They know that. And these are the ones when they remain in faith, God does exceed their expectations. In fact, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has in store for those who love him. He's got stuff for his people in the future, in this world, and in the eternal life. And life is way too short, and eternity is way too long to not take God serious on this stuff. This is God's truth. David would say things like this. When things are going wrong, and we can't figure him out, like, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? I love this. David would show up and say, hey, has the arm of the Lord been shortened? Is that what you're saying? God's arm just got short, like he can't pull this off. And people would be like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And all of a sudden, the disposition would change. The demeanor would change. David said this. He said, or Isaiah, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their children begging for bread. You walk with God. You walk with God. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He will supply all of your needs, not all your wants according to his riches and glory. That is a promise of God. There are promises of God you can stand on. We don't understand the timing all the time. We do not. I don't know anyone who's an expert on the timing of God, but we do get a sense of God's direction and his will and his plans for you are good. They're not for harm. They're to prosper you. To give you a hope and a future, that's the heart of God. If God is for you, who can be against it? Now, along the way, there'll be speed bumps. Jesus says you'll always have tribulation. There will be setbacks along the way. There will be some unanswerables, some unreconcilable things that you can't figure out. What do we do when that happens? Are we gonna have a conclusion and critique God's position in this? Are we gonna be like Job? I don't get it. I don't have to. I'm still gonna trust him because this is where a good second half begins. This is where God rewards faith and builds on our faith. Um, The third and the final point, in fact, this would be great if the worship team could come up on this, but this is important. Never, there's some people who don't have a good second half because they process something the wrong way and you don't hear about them again in scripture. You know people in your life that started really well. They got disappointed along the way. The greatest cause for disappointment is unmet expectations. And there are some people, their expectation didn't go down the way they thought, and they're disappointed. And because they're disappointed, they got disappointed with God too. Which wasn't fair of God, because this side of heaven, we can't figure it all out, but they got disappointed with God. And we don't hear the rest of their story. We don't read about their second half. We know people in our life like that. Um, Third point this morning is never hijack your future because of an unmet expectation in your present. The way we react to an unmet expectation with God, the way we react can completely alter our future. We can hijack our own future by the way we react to an unmet expectation. Faith by definition is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of the unseen. And so even though you don't see it, you look to God and His nature and His goodness and you say, I trust you through it. That's what faith is. Faith is not the assurance of things seen. That doesn't take faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of the unseen. When you get into the Word of God and you you read the promises of God, you understand the nature of God, you can have some very healthy expectations. We might not understand his timing. We might not know why God sometimes says yes, sometimes says no, sometimes says slow in response to our prayers, but God does this, he's sovereign and we're not. We have to allow for that. But the reality is if we will, there is blessing on the other side. There's a second half on the other side. There is so much more fruit. Out of this crowd that cheered, most went away. We didn't hear from them again. The same one shouting shouting out Hosanna, a week later is shouting crucify him. I don't get it. But there was 120 in the upper room, believing and waiting. And the 120 had a future that changed the future of a whole world. And those are the ones who continue in faith, even though you have an unreconcilable and unanswered question, uh, an issue like that. I, I would highly encourage, too, just in closing, that when you dream, when you have hopes of your future and, and plans, when you dream, dream with God. If, if you dream with God, I don't think you're gonna have a lot of unmet expectations. And, but, but I think we tend to dream on our own and figure, God, you must be cool with all this because <laughs> we're good, right? So you gotta be good with all my dreams. And he may, he may bless them all. But he may not. And if he doesn't, that's where this tension rises up between, God, I thought, I thought naturally, God, but you didn't. That's really, really important. Our response to an unmet expectation can determine our second half. Well, I wanna just close in prayer. I wanna remind you, family, that God is God no matter what. He's the all-knowing one, the all-powerful one, the all-present one, and he is for you, not against you. And if you seek first him and his kingdom, he will give you the desires of your heart. No weapon formed against you will prosper if you walk with him and stay in Christ. The enemy will come to try to rob faith. He's been doing it historically. He will come like a mouse with a megaphone yelling things back to you to remind you of what God didn't do when you expected it. Check that expectation and leave the unanswerables with God. Continue in faith and you'll have a second half that can be a world changer because that's what I see in the text. I see out of this whole mess and disappointed people, Jesus is crying, he's disappointed. He's like, I had so much more for you. And Jesus is crying because people aren't even seeing his opportunities, putting it right in front of them. Like, we don't see it. I I couldn't be any more clear for you. Bam. But they're looking over here. Just overthrow Rome. We're not looking at this kingdom. We're looking at this kingdom. And if you and I are looking at this kingdom instead of God's kingdom, we're gonna miss out on these things that Jesus is putting before us. But if we get in on these things, we won't be disappointed. In fact, you'll find great joy. You'll find great joy and purpose in partnering with God for his purposes. That's the Abundant Life family. And on that note, let's just close in prayer. Almighty God, we love you and we thank you for your word. I, I Lord, I thank you for this passage that shows us disappointment is a reality in life. There are expectations we have and Sometimes they're unmet. God, I just pray for anyone in the room right now. And Lord, I know there's people in this room um, who have expectations. And let us be transparent before you right now. As we go into this weekend of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, let us just be real with you right now. I just wanna pray, everyone, just keep your eyes closed. If you have any expectation with God that didn't happen yet, I want to just ask you to rise to your feet and just we're going to stand before god um but be real about it Could it be the relationship didn't go right the health didn't go right the job didn't go right the family the healing didn't go-whatever whatever it is just just rise and, and what i want to just ask you to do is take these right now because we hold on to these and they'll they'll hold us back i just want to ask you right now this is between you and god no one needs to look at anybody just if you don't have anything like this, sit down and just pray for others. But if you do, I just want to ask you to just lift your hands up to God with that unmet expectation in your hand, that disappointment. You don't know why it did. It shouldn't have. I don't know how it did. I just ask you right now to give it to God and, and, and just tell him from the, your heart right now, you are God and I am not. And in your own words, I believe you love me. Show me your love, God. Take away these unmet expectations. Lord, forgive me for drawn conclusions on them right now because, Lord, I've mischaracterized you. I've mischaracterized your, your nature. I've mischaracterized your love. I've, I've come to some, some judgments and uh, some, some critical conclusions, God, and it's not who you are. You're good all, and you're good all the time, God, and I just want to give you these things right now, Lord. Every one of us in the room, we lift this up and we say in the spirit, take it, God, Take it, consume these things, God. You died for all of these things, God. You've died for the wrongs we've done and the wrongs done to us, God. You've died this side of heaven we won't know, God, but someday we're gonna know fully just as we are fully known. And in the meantime, God, we lift all these to you and say, take them, take them, King Jesus, take them and be the king of our lives entirely. We don't want anything in between our relationship hindering what you can do. We don't want any unmet expectation altering the second half. So God, take these away, take these things away. We look to you and like Job, we say we trust you even though we don't see things the way we want, even though things didn't happen the way we want. We renew our love and our commitment to you. We will trust you. We'll trust you no matter what because your plans for us are good. You love us. You call us children of God and you lavish such a love on us, your word says, that we get to, you, you call us children and we get to call you are a loving Father God. So I just want to pray for renewal in everyone's life in this room and I thank you in advance for that in Jesus' name. And for any of you who want to use a good posture to just stand in God's presence, you don't even have to sit down, just stand up and worship and just raise your hands to God and can just continue to give Him anything that you need to give Him right now, that you'd walk out of here in a liberated way, in a freer way, in a more passionately in love with Jesus way and that this week as we go through Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, that we would all be uh, imparting on a whole new chapter of life with King Jesus on this journey of faith. Thank you, God, for this. We ask this in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.